Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Adrian Martini. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. Uh, I was just laughing with Alex, our producer, because um, so was um, we had finished up recording a couple native ads, and and we're down here in the um, uh, recording studio slash um, stock room slash guest bedroom that we'll talk about in a second. Um, <laughs> and that uh, and so I was telling him about the hat sale that we had, and he's I could tell he's totally eyeballing the hats. He's like, yeah, I've been to- oh, I'm just. I really like those hats. Can I buy one? And I was like, you cannot buy one. I'm giving you one. So, he has, <laughs> so he's sporting the um, another Mother Runner Oregon hat. He debated between awesome. that and the one that has the trees. I'm like, you live in Oregon. And, right? uh, and he has blue eyes. So it looks really good with that. And so um, maybe, I don't know, what, a year ago, Alex, I gave you the um, our AMR hoodie, which is a zip up. And I'm like, oh, and the blue will be perfect with the hoodie. And he's like, wait where is that hoodie? <laughs> so he had shared it with his um, now former girlfriend. Um, and oh, they no. had an a- amicable split. He's like, yeah, I think she might have it. I'm like, you got to get that back before the retreat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he will be representing oh, in Spokane in a few weeks. So, <laughs> yes, she gives it back. I mean, I'm, right, 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 right. Oh, maybe they'll fight over it. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> Alex is like intrigue. <laughs> no, like, I'm sure yeah, it's a very. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Adrian, you're gonna be knitting on the plane when you come out here. Um, maybe. I also may be unconscious the entire time um, oh, because right. the flight leaves here at 630 in the morning, oh. um, which means I have to be at the airport at 530. Oh. Um, and if I decide to do something crazy, like drive from my house that morning, I would have to leave here at 330. So, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. So I might spend the night up in Albany. Regardless, 630 is uh-huh. early. Um, yes. So I hope to sleep from my house to Chicago at least, uh-huh. yep. and then oh. we'll see where we go. Yep, I specialize yeah. in doing that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like I just I, the finish line is just getting your butt in that seat, and then <laughs> yep, yep, and then it's like I can do whatever I want, right? Whatever I want. <laughs> I'm traveling by um, myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also the bonus. Um, uh-huh. And I also have discovered, and this is going to kind of bring the room down, sort of. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'm alone in this. Um, when I was in college, I used to have a really bad um, flight anxiety. Oh. Like full-blown phobia, like can't get on a plane sort of thing. Oh, wow. Um, and I love to be places. Uh-huh. I, you know, I love to travel. Uh-huh. So I decided this was something I'm, I was going to have to get over pretty quickly. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. um, John Madden and, and the boss. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not doing it. Um, also because I want to go overseas and there are no good right. buses that yeah, go overseas. Right. The buses so, that get you to Italy. Oh my gosh, you just have to yeah. transfer like some times. <laughs> I know, right? Right? You can swim a little bit. It's yeah. fine though. Um, so with the help of, you know, a couple of Xanax, mm-hmm. three or four flights later, I was good to go. Like once, uh-huh. you know, I got convinced my brain that everything's okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I know intellectually everything's fine, right? Um, yeah. But physically is a whole other response. So, you know, I have been out of high school for quite a, a couple few of years, years. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, never had a problem until last year. I had oh. a rather sporty landing. Um, oh. mm-hmm. And now some part of my brain is just like, yep, you're going to die. 
It's all going to be horrible. Um, oh. So I will also probably be unconscious because I intend to drug myself oh, uh-huh. just to convince my brain again that, yeah. uh, you know, everything's fine. It's yeah. it's all fine. Yeah. This happens every day, many times a day. I, Everything I, is fine. I have to say, I'm surprised by the number of women coming to our retreat who have mentioned on the private Facebook page that they are nervous about flying. And, right? um, yeah. I travel so much for business that I, 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 I never worry about, or I, in a regular setting, I don't worry about the safety of it. Occasionally, if I'm on a really small airplane, when they close yeah. that door, I'm like, oh, oh, in close space, in close space, very small, <laughs> ceiling's low, the person next to me is really close to me. Um, but then I just kind of talk myself down and I turn yeah. the, um, overhead uh air vents put put my hands out right. flat uh cool them down because right. my palms do sweat like nobody's business um, right yeah no it's the weirdest thing it's i'm fine enclosed space great put me in a tunnel good to go um it's when we hit turbulence that my some oh. part of my lizard mm-hmm. brain just goes oh dear lord <laughs> yeah this is it <laughs> i know um <sighs> so yeah so but i know that having done this once before I'll get over it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I love being other places so much. Sure. And you know, it, it's fine. Yeah. I know it's fine. Yep. Just reconvincing my brain. It's fine. Yep. So. Yep. 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 So. Yep. Yeah. But yes. So when I show up at your house. Yes. Um, I might be in some altered state. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> Well, thank you for visiting one of our special shops here in Oregon. Yes, <laughs> yes. I probably shouldn't mix those two things. Right, that seems exactly. like, a, yeah, like a hazard. Yeah, um, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> as your husband is like, yeah, I didn't see Adrian. Did she really come? Like, no, yeah. she's unconscious. She's on she said something about the cat and passed out. Pretty great. So um, yes, and. Uh, I was about to say, and Ellison and I have planned a yarn crawl. That's what I hear. So. That's what I hear. I had yes. dinner with Ellison on Monday night, and she mentioned that um, I didn't realize that the um, yarn shop, um, I guess it's called Twisted, closest to my house. Right. It's a four-block walk from our house, uh, is considered one of the best yarn shops in Portland, if not the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I didn't. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize you live so close. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. oh, 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 selling a greater <laughs> selling feature. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so you will be sleeping here in the recording studio. <laughs> awesome. Yes, yes. So, yes, because um, Susan from also coming out a, a little early, uh, going to the retreat as well, she, but she is um, uh, pocket size. So she is, I'm going to have Daphne right. sleep on uh, the bottom bunk of in John's room and she will get Daphne's twin bed, whereas you get a, um, oh. I guess it's a queen size bed. Yes. Um, yeah. with your with your own yeah. bathroom and yeah. away from the family yeah <laughs> yeah and I'm a, I'm a little bit taller than Susan so yes yes by like are, a yeah. whole person yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness so well I um I had a lovely five mile run this morning with Molly and, awesome uh, yeah yeah really really wonderful to have her we, and we went running on um 
Sunday, we uh, went, uh, actually had to do another five mile run on Sunday, and then we went swimming. At, we were up at the pond that we love. Um, and I was, boy, that the first step of the five miler on Sunday was one of the hardest steps I've ever taken in running. Right. It was, uh, you had a long Saturday, right? Yes, I did. I did. I had, uh, so had to get in 20 miles, second of three 20 milers oh. on the uh, crush it, crush the distance, train like a mother club plan um thank you molly for choosing that and then abandoning me on the plan (laughs) (laughs) and uh so yes so and john had his um the culmination of his musical theater to a camp high school musical and that was at 11 30 um across the river what's called the pearl district it's a hip part of town so i'm like okay i gotta get there by about 11 o'clock and so I um, packed a change of clothes, very casual change of clothes, and uh, chocolate milk and mm-hmm. uh, a kind bar and had Jack bring that in because he had to get John there early. And so then I started running at 628 and right. uh, culminated my run over there. Thankfully, it was um, on the coolish, dryish side of things, so I wasn't sweating too um, profusely. And That's still 20 miles. Yeah. Oh, and I, oh, and, and, um, turned the GPS off at one point and then forgot to turn it back on (laughs) (laughs) and and wasn't reminded of that until it almost started to go into battery save mode. And I'm like, oh, that's at least half a mile. And, you know, of course at the time I tell myself, it's okay. I can stop at 19 and a half. And I'm like, part of me is being like, no, no, you won't, Sarah. You got to yeah. make that thing turn green on training peaks, which means that your GPS yep. needs to say that it's 20. So sure enough, I ended up running um, 20.6 because for some reason Strava, even though I didn't have it turned on, it knew the accurate distance that I ran. Yeah, I, I think it extrapolates cause... between Real? signals. Oh. So like if it drops out somewhere, it just assumes that you went on the but most I didn't, convenient I didn't, route between the two. I didn't have Strava turned on. But it, like, I, I think... Don't from your Garmin, it uploads, or whatever you're using, it uploads it, the route. Oh, it uploads the route. Oh, I see. Right. It, it yeah, definitely so does. It can... Yeah, and it was a straight shot. It was on um, this um, paved bike trail. So, I mean, there was, that was the way to run. There was, it's through a marsh, right. so there's nothing else. So, so it showed that it was 20.6, but, um, oh my gosh, and I finished so strong. I was so happy. And, um, yeah, I was really excited. So I did that. So I go inside, um, find Jack, get changed in the corner of the empty theater. <laughs> did some... I'm sure you're not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did some dynamic flexibility drills, like, alongside, you know, down one of the aisles. There wasn't anybody else in the theater at that point. And then, so watched the play, and it was fantastic, fantastic. Um, I Instagrammed a couple pictures um, at the oh, Mother cool. Runner. And then uh, we had to, then we had to hustle poor John directly to a soccer game, which meant that I was going directly <laughs> to that soccer game as well. Right. Um, sat outside in the blazing sun by that point. It was quite hot. Um, watched the soccer game. So I didn't get home from my run until about 3.15. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, we are, the kids are cat sitting. So, um, and the people there are cat sitting. <laughs> so spare cat. Yeah, two spare cats, but they have an awesome front porch. So I took um, the latest copy of Entertainment Weekly and went over and sat on their front porch. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and did that for a while, but then took all three kids back to school shopping after that. So I right. really felt like my Saturday, I was running like a mother, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah, well, good for you for getting it done. Yeah, I was ex- I was excited. I think I might have 
thrown in the towel, you know, in the middle of the soccer game and just fallen asleep uh, somewhere. <laughs> it was, we were, uh, oh gosh, John's team, he got put on a new team and it's such a good team. And so the, um, he was playing defense and the other team could not get it anywhere past the back in the back half of the field oh, so good. so john was just standing there and i'm like really i'm just but i love watching soccer so even though my my boy wasn't adding to the excitement it was a very oh, fun right. game to watch so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um, it's more fun watching those soccer games now that they're a little older than oh, when they were like five yeah oh, for sure oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah so um and uh today is the first day of um school here in portland uh your kids oh. do your kids not go back until next week they go back yeah, they go back the Tuesday after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So they're still lounging around the house being idle. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I find that offensive, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'll come home for lunch from work and they're still, you know, in their jammies and lounging in bed. It's just like, seriously? Oh, see, my kids seriously. lounge in my bed because we have a TV in oh. our room. So, you know, so I go upstairs to like, I don't know put something away or, or get a book or something, you know, I don't know, do something up there. And I'm like, why is my door shut? Why is the TV on it? Right. Oh, why is my neatly made bed now completely thrashed right? with crumbs in yes. it because they're eating in my yes. bed. <laughs> yeah. See, here's how I got around that. Uh-huh. Uh, we have one TV and it's in oh. the living room. Oh. So if you're going to watch the TV, that's where it's going to be. Wow. Yeah. Um, no. Because I am a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> and they all have various devices that they can watch things on so yeah yeah Um, oh my goodness yeah so so the twins actually don't start till tomorrow their school um has the new students so sixth graders and incoming seventh and eighth graders new kids uh start today and then the returning students start tomorrow oh that's a really good idea yeah so it's a little bit of a uh graded start start. yes um but then phoebe um our high school is now closed for two years for renovation and the entire all the students all the faculty um support staff everything they're moved to a school that is a hour commute away on public transportation so um yeah so phoebe was out the door at about 6 50 even though school doesn't start until 8 30 the school no, use is the, the the school being uh, renovated is a seven minute walk from our house, so <laughs> she um she takes uh, catches thankfully the bus stop is only a block from our house and it goes right near where the school is so um, right. but it's an hour long ride and so but as she yeah. said she has a lot of reading to do for school so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I said oh she I said oh you don't done. yeah I said oh you don't get um, nauseous reading on a bus she looks at me like what what are you talking about mom yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, because she's not an old lady. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. She doesn't have inner ear problems or anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I try and just read the map in the car, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like if you um, like are getting, you know, a taxi ride or a lift ride right. or something like that, and you read, yeah. like, one email if you're, God forbid, right. in the back seat, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You mind if I roll the windows down, tweet. all of them? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, can't even read a tweet without getting nauseated. Uh, yep. so, uh, Isn't it great? Yeah. Oh, it's it's wonderful getting older. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my so goodness! Alex so Alex is lucky because he gets old ladies talking about not being able to read in moving vehicles, and later on. Oh, yeah. Exercises. (laughs) Yes, yes. So this is a topic that Alex is just going to love being a part of. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, In this episode, we're talking about a topic that is so critically important to countless women runners, yet 
um, many folks shy away from talking about it. Um, pelvic floor health. Yes, ladies who accidentally pee while running, I'm looking at you. But the expert who's joining us today is going to talk about why it's so much more than just incontinence. Uh, Julie Wiebe is a physical therapist in Southern California with more than 20 years of clinical experience in both sports medicine and women's health. Julie specializes in returning women to fitness after injury and pregnancy. She advocates for the awareness of pelvic health issues in fitness and promotes innovative solutions for women through her blog, videos, and social media. And she'll talk a little bit more about that toward the end of the show. Uh, Adrian and I will talk with Julie right after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome, Julie. We're so glad you could join us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, actually, Good. and talk to this particular population, mom runners. I love it. Awesome, awesome. So before we dive into the topic, share a bit about yourself as a mom and as an athlete. Um, well, I am an aging athlete. Um, I played all? sports my... <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I like to tell people I'm a Title IX kid. Like, I'm actually one of the first generation that actually benefited from Title IX. So I played sports from very young, like three years old, and I always played on boys' teams. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then played all the way beyond graduate school on master's leagues. Uh, soccer was my big sport. but um, But I also... Um, I'm a mom and I have two athletes living in my house and, um, and, uh, they're 14 and 12. And so, uh, really enjoy, I am that crazy mom on the sideline. Oh yeah. Right, right there with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, like I want to be out there with the, yeah. So, um, so I can't get rid of the athlete in me mm-hmm. ever. Um, and, uh, but being my, uh, their mom is actually my, uh, my priority. Mm-hmm. And I actually call my physical therapy life, my se- secret identity, <laughs> like, because it's sort of what I do on the side, um, when I'm not momming. Uh-huh. Um, right. but yeah, so that's sort of my me in a nutshell. Nice. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about your professional background and what led you to specialize in women's health with a special emphasis on pelvic floor health? Yeah, you know, I um, actually, I really still self-identify as a sports medicine physical therapist. That's sort of where I've always, uh, my patient population has been as an athlete. It was sort of a natural transition. Um, And then when I had my first, my daughter Zoe, uh, who's 14, that was right about when the core, so I'm putting that in air quotes, Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people, when I say core, you know, everybody has sort of their own definition, but generally speaking, that means abdominals to most people. And what we started learning about the core around 14 years ago, it actually came onto the scene around the same time that Zoe was born. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we didn't have a core before, like we didn't talk about that, that's how (laughs) old therapist I am is there didn't used to be a core. And um, so when Zoe was born for my own self, I was actually looking into trying to understand the new literature and the new procedures and the new things that we were trying to do in therapy around that. And pelvic floor, we knew right from the get-go that the pelvic floor was part of the core, but we got distracted by the TA for a long time. And I did too. But because pelvic floor is a part of it, it's something I felt like I had to start talking about with my female patients mm-hmm. in my orthopedic sports medicine practice. And if any of them finally confessed that they had a pelvic floor issue, you know, I said, I towed the line. I said, well, then you need to stop. Like that's mm. pretty much what the history has been. If you have a huh. pelvic floor issue, you need to stop your athletic endeavor, whatever it is. And oh. I did treat a lot of runners. And, but they all would literally nod their heads, tie up their runners, and then run from the clinic back home. <laughs> like, just ignore me. And, and I'm an athlete. Like, I totally understand that mindset. I understand why they wanted to do it. And so it really became my mission 
to find solutions for them that allowed them to continue running and dealt with their pelvic floor issue simultaneously, their pelvic health issue. And so that led down, me down a road of a lot of research and innovation to try to create, create solutions for athletes versus telling them your athletic career is over. Because I didn't want mine to end when I had a baby. Right. And um, right. yeah. Right, right. So that's sort of I, how I developed this niche. Mm-hmm. Can I just leap in real quick? You said TA. What does that mean? Sorry. Yeah, that's the transversus abdominis. It's your deepest abdominal muscle. Um, a lot of people focus on it and exercise with the cue, pull your navel to your spine. That's sort of a very right. common cue out there. So that's sort of what we focused on for probably a dozen years now. And the tide is finally turning away from the single focus on just that. Mm. Um, and we're starting to appreciate the pelvic floor a lot more in the system and the diaphragm, which mm-hmm. is sort of a lot of what I focus on. Hmm. Okay. Right. All right. So this question is um, a little bit long, but um, so bear with me on this one. Um, so on your site, Julie, you talk about changes mother runners can make to be quote faster and drier. So, mm-hmm. so not all of us are looking to get faster, but I think being more efficient, avoiding injury and not intentionally peeing while running our goals that we're all after. But right. um, before we dive into incontinence, I want you to expand on something you emailed me. You said so many running injuries in postpartum women are linked to their pelvic health. I would venture to guess that the flood of women that had high hamstring pain are also leaking while they run. Same with medial knee pain and definitely hip issues. So can, can you talk about that? And, and it sort of ties into um, something we were talking about before we went on the air about how people think that pelvic floor issues are just kind of right there in that general area of, you know, right. <laughs> you know, so talk. Yeah. About, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of, again, that historical understanding of pelvic health and that relationship to fitness that they needed to say completely separate because all we've historically all we've offered women for pelvic floor problems is a kegel Mm -hmm. and what if we and so i am answering your question but but in kind of a a roundabout way so if we understand what a kegel is it's basically a what we call an isometric contraction so that means you contract it and then you relax it you contract and you relax and um and so if you came to see me for say a knee injury and i asked you to contract and relax your quad over and over again Mm -hmm. and then i said now go run. Mm-hmm. You would be like, I need to go find a new physical therapist. This is the stupidest <laughs> exercise program I've ever received. And guess what? My knee doesn't feel better and I still hurt when I run. Uh-huh. So, so, but what we really, like I mentioned, you know, that when we talk about core and the core sta- stabilizing system, the diaphragm is a part of it, the TA. Mm-hmm is a part of it and so is the pelvic floor. So what we really are, what we're trying to promote out there is that it's a system, that Mm -hmm. those guys work together to help you create stability at your center. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that and use them as a team, you're using them in the most efficient way. When you instead grip your abs while you're running, that's actually imbalancing that system and Mm. it's not going to be efficient and that will fall out in your running form. If you leak, and this is what a lot of ladies do, and you think, okay, all I've ever heard is kegel, so I'm going to actually kegel while I'm running. I'm going to hold my pelvic floor. Does this sound familiar to anyone out there? (laughs) I'll hold my pelvic floor while I run. But if I told you to do that with your quad uh-huh. while you ran, you would also say, this woman is crazy oh. because that's not how muscles work. Mm-hmm. Muscles run through an excursion 
when you're using them. So when you bend your knee, the quad has to lengthen. And then when you straighten it, it shortens. Like that's what muscles do to propel us. Mm -hmm. And so the pelvic floor has to do that too. But what ends up happening is women do all this gripping stuff because they're trying to keep their pee in. Mm -hmm. And it, the pelvic floor actually interacts with your hips. It actually, oh. so it actually has anatomical connections to your hips. So if anyone out there says, oh my gosh, my hips are so tight after I run, and you're also leaking while you run, mm -hmm. those are likely connected issues. Wow. There are connections with the pelvic floor and the ischial tuberosities. That's the sits bones. That's where that high hamstring is mm -hmm. and where a lot of those high hamstring tears are. So if you're not using that system, diaphragm, TA, pelvic floor, efficiently and using it as a system, you're potentially going to have fallout in how you compensate for not using that system well. Mm. And that, so that's kind of a really different take mm -hmm. than if you have a leak, you should just make your pelvic floor stronger. Mm -hmm. um, because anyway, I can keep going on research around that, but, um, but hope, does that sort of help you kind of understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, good. Okay. Because yeah. I can um, go more. <laughs> well, and we will get you to go more. <laughs> But, we'll but that's the new foundation that we're trying to build for people. And to understand then that when you integrate the pelvic floor into your programming, you're going to handle all those things at once. You're going to handle your pelvic health, your musculoskeletal health, and your performance and, and running efficiency health mm -hmm. by doing all of those things together. So that's my goal always with every, every patient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that, um, so that, sorry, that tells me that, you know, the people who think, oh, this podcast, you know, this topic doesn't apply to me. Yes. You know, you want, we want to say, st stay with us because, Amen. yeah, because it's not just, a, it's not just for the ladies who leak, which, you know, maybe right. we should make that a club or something, you know, <laughs> uppercase L, uppercase L. And, um, and, you know, but that it, it could be, this could be the solution to a host of problems. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and there's there also a lot of women that may not tell you that they're leaking mm -hmm. and and they also don't understand why it's linked like there is an actual anatomical link so they would be motivated to go see a pt because their hip hurts mm -hmm. but if they never tell the pt hey by the way i'm leaking mm -hmm. that, that's actually a really important piece of information but we don't have enough pts out there to who under, understand why that's linked like mm -hmm. they we need right. to encourage a lot of learning on that end too, mm -hmm. but those issues are linked. But yeah, but like a lot of women who have C-sections will tune out too. Like I, mm -hmm. I, well, I had a C-section, my pelvic floor is fine. Mm -hmm. But when we understand that this is a system, mm -hmm. then we start to understand that if you interrupt any component of that system, you may have fallout somewhere. Mm -hmm. And for some women, their fallout is leaking or pelvic health type issues. It's just a signal. And mm -hmm. that's how I sort of want to reframe it out there in the world. P pelvic health issues, especially related to your fitness, are a signal that that whole system isn't working well mm -hmm. versus you right. just are peeing in your pants. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> it's, it, yeah, like it's really important that we understand that. It's, it's merely a, a, a signal for us and therefore, you know, it loses its shame too. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not, it's just, it's not normal, but it's really common and we have a lot of work to do. Um, and can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but a lot of the research around this is actually on very fit females that are young and have mm -hmm. never had children. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that we have to understand if, if we've always said like the major risk factors for incontinence are, um, uh overweight is actually one which i hate talking about with women um 
It's also age mm -hmm. and how many babies you've had. That mm -hmm. all of those are risk factors for incontinence. But if we understand that most of the research we have around this related to fitness is on young, very fit, mm -hmm. so low BMI, young, and never had children, and they're leaking through their sport, we have to understand that the mechanism isn't what we thought it was. And so right. that's where a lot of this theory and the approach that I take is coming from is understanding that those young women are out of balance. And one of the major ways they get out of balance is overuse of their abs. And we can talk about that later, but that's a major problem for a lot of ladies. So, mm. All right. So let's, let's talk posture. You uh, tell us how posture affects breathing and the pelvic floor and because share your special ski jump trick and how it can be used to get access to the pelvic floor. Cause I was watching some of the videos on your website. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So the ski jump is the idea there is that, um, and I will again show my age, but it's that peppermint patty, like leaning forward <laughs> you guys don't remember that commercial yes. like oh, yeah. leaning forward oh, when you said pepper and patty i thought the character from peanuts oh no yeah no 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 the one the mint pepper you know yeah, anyway. your peppermint patty yeah your peppermint patty that's yeah. it sorry <laughs> anyway so it's that ski like where you're really leaning forward and what that idea is is it's actually bringing the rib cage naturally over top of the pelvis. And the reason we like to do that, or I like to do that, is it encourages access, okay? So really alignment, the only reason that I sort of focus on it is it, it we actually know that when your muscles are more in their mid range, okay, that doesn't mean it's in some perfect position. Mm -hmm. It just means when they're sort of more toward their mid range, you have better access to them. And when you're trying to reconnect with this system, access is important. So it sort of sets you up for a little bit of success. But if you think about how we run, when you think about what the athletic position is, or when you think about like, like a really awesome runner with great form, they're sort of in a little bit of a diagonal leaning into the run. Mm -hmm. And that's really what's happening when I'm trying to get women to lean a little bit and to do that ski jump is I'm trying to improve their access to that system because the diaphragm lives in the rib cage, the pelvic floor lives in the pelvis, and those two work together in a rhythm when you breathe, every breath that you take. And so when I'm working with a postpartum runner, a mommy runner, most postpartum women run chest high oh. and, um, and they have a very bouncy up and down run and their ponytail kind of does this major <laughs> slosh, slosh, slosh. Is this resonating? Yeah. <laughs> okay, back and forth. And it's they're losing all their energy up and down hmm. and their chest is very high and usually their bums are tucked. So they don't have great hip extension or propulsion from the glutes. Hmm. So when I ask them to lean, and they're really, what I'm asking them to do is assume a more athletic position Mm -hmm. I'm doing multiple things at once. I'm asking that rib cage to live over the pelvis again, which improves their access to that system, mm -hmm. improves their breathing. I'm asking them also, I'm putting them in a position where they're gonna have more glutes on board, okay? Mm -hmm. When your bum is tucked, you're not getting glutes. You're gonna overuse your hamstrings, which mm -hmm. hurts those high hamstring ladies. Mm -hmm. um, and then also when you're in that kind of ski jump athletic position, we're eliminating that chest high 
um, up and, and that forces you into more of that up and down and you lose all your energy up and down and it, it improves your ability to propel forward. Mm. Um, it improves your rotation. Um, so when I change alignment in a runner, I'm, I'm kind of killing multiple birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I could add one more idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? Okay, so when you run with chest high, bouncy cadence, your bum is tucked, um, the tendency is for your heel to land further in front of you. Mm-hmm. You end up with a more quad dominant pattern mm-hmm. and a more hamstring dominant pattern. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to a lot of like knee stuff, mm-hmm. high hamstring stuff, um, tight calves are a part of that. Like when you get that leg out too far in front of you. The other thing that that does is it increases your ground reaction forces. So ground reaction forces is how hard your heel hits. Mm -hmm. So when your heel is in front of you, really far out in front of you when you land, we think it's 68 times your body weight Mm. every time you land. When you get into that athletic position, that naturally puts your body a little bit more over the heel when it lands. Mm-hmm. And we think that two, that's more like two to four times your oh, body weight when so you ha- land. So half. So mm-hmm. yeah, so automatic. So if you got, you have heel pain when you, when you run, mm-hmm. you've reduced the demand on your heel. Mm-hmm. When you land like that, you reduce the demand on your pelvic floor too, that's trying to keep the pee in. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, when we do that lean, that ski jump, athletic position we're we're improving how hard you're hitting we're improving your your ability to access muscles to help you propel we're reducing your loss of energy side to side and up and down you know we're doing all sorts of stuff and we're improving your access to that system that helps keep you dry and stable mm-hmm. so it's kind of this beautiful it's a silly little trick but it works beautifully with runners and especially to keep them dry so and i'm thinking but, about it sound the the style you're talking about to me sounds like what a lot of coaches suggest for your style going up a hill you know and leaning into it and and i'm thinking um i ran 20 on 20 miles on saturday and and um, five of it was this slight uphill um it was just just this long long climb but it wasn't steep it was just um like continuous and i just love that part of my run and i'm thinking Mm -hmm. like huh And it it felt so much easier almost than the long, straight, like four or five mile flats that came after it. I'm thinking, oh, because I was accessing the system, maybe. You, amen. Preach. That's exactly it. And and what I, my cue for most women is pretend you're running up a hill, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. or into a strong wind Mm -hmm. so that you have to kind of keep your head down. Mm -hmm. Although I'm here in California where we like have no rain, because I used to use rain, like the rain's coming in harder. (laughs) It's coming in. Like into your face, like because people don't know how to get their heads down. I also use a lot of visual cueing, uh-huh. like look tw- instead of looking at the horizon. Mm-hmm. Which if you if everyone sort of looks up and looks ahead at the horizon, it automatically lifts your chest. But mm-hmm. if you look down about twenty feet ahead, it sort of brings your rib cage and your head down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And again, it sort of tricks your body into that pattern versus you thinking, okay, now I've got to like hold this and move it like this. So alignment doesn't have to be this stiff perfect thing Mm -hmm. it's more like optimizing your system and that's what we're gunning for but but i also when i have a woman that i think i need to pull off of running for a little bit like for whatever reason they can't take the impact like someone who has prolapse i know Mm -hmm. that came up Mm -hmm. um on your forum and i need to reduce their impact i actually have them go hiking 
And I want them to go up those steps because it gives them the running kick, Mm -hmm. but it forces them into that position. Mm -hmm. And then I also, then I get to work on their glutes too, while they're like leaning into that hill. So yeah, amen. So run more hills, (laughs) but then you have to figure out how to come down. (laughs) Run run more hills. And also I'm uh, look for change. Like I do when I run, because um, that then my head is slightly (laughs) tilted down to about 20 feet ahead of me looking for those quarters, nickels and dimes. So. Oh my gosh, that is excellent. I will add that to my repertoire. I love it. I love yes. it. I will call it the Sarah. I promise. Maybe you should just start speeding the track with change and that way they automatically right. Right. That is perfect. I'm going to yeah. do that. Oh <laughs> Put a uh, silver because I find some people scoff at stopping for pennies. So, which yes. I, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Pocket weights. <laughs> so a roll of dimes. Is really all you need. Oh, to dimes. They're so delightful. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So as we often do, we ask for questions and comments on our Facebook page. Uh, so we kind of crowdsource the questions. <laughs> so we're going to start with a question from Sarah without an H. So her question okay. is, I have three kids. The youngest is two, uh, normal, uncomplicated births. I almost feel like I should apologize, but I've never had noticeable issues. I did some kegels, but not a ton. Is there a genetic component or am I just lucky? Um. You know what, it's, the answer to that question is it depends. Um, Some women do childbirth, like, I mean, I have family members that are like, yeah, I tore a little and I was fine and I bounced right back. Like there are women that just bounce right back. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and then some women have very uncomplicated deliveries um, and uh, they, they have a system, they may have a natural capacity to access that system better. Some women go into pregnancy more connected with their bodies so they can connect better when they get out of pregnancy. You know, there's, there's different reasons. Um, but, but what I would say is if, um, she's, Sarah is defining that I'm all fine because I'm not leaking. Mm-hmm. Um, my question to her would be, you know, is there anything else going on postpartum, like low back pain or hip pain? You know, it may be that that system still needs to be refined. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that for most women, it does. Um, I it, it is really unusual if someone bounces back and really reconnects perfectly without the need for just some time to like really recover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but so again, my question to her would be, you know, yeah, you may not end up with a pelvic, like a historically understood pelvic health problem, but I would love to be sure that you're accessing that system well, and that you're not having other kinds of postpartum complications, which are, you know, hip pain, back pain, neck pain, mm-hmm. shoulder pain, like, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on for ladies after they have babies and it's not just pelvic health. So hopefully we're starting to make the connection that, you may still need to connect those dots to address those other kinds of problems because your body was changed by your pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we need to just give people some systems and strategies to get it back to a more balanced situation so you can resume function and, and fitness without any symptoms at all. Mm-hmm. But we just have that mm-hmm. leaking and pain. Those are two those all go together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so right. those oh, bring up related questions from Rachel and Ellie. Um, and so Rachel said, uh, how can you prevent um, PF, pelvic floor issues? She said she's 34 weeks pregnant with her second and didn't have any issues the first time and hope to um, not again as well. And then Ellie says, how can you prepare pre-baby slash while pregnant? Well, um, I... 
again, the idea is that, and I love seeing women when they're pregnant because it, it a little bit of education goes such a long way. Mm. And what I like to focus on is helping them understand how their breathing, their abdominals, and their pelvic floor are connected and how they work together in order to develop stability. And so what I find, um, especially for women in this generation, so these are usually the women that are currently pregnant or in their like early 30s, late 20s, their generation is actually the first that grew up doing tons of ab work. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't really do that when I was a kid. When I was training for sports, I don't remember doing hardly any sit-ups ever. But this generation grew up on the core, and the core meant abs. And so I see a lot of these ladies that come, and they have overused their abs for a really long time and imbalanced their system. And so learning that in order for the diaphragm to really do its job well, which is that it comes down on inhale, that the tummy and the pelvic floor actually lengthen in response to that. They actually give a little bit and it's because they're giving into a little bit of a pressure increase in the abdomen and then on exhale the diaphragm lifts the pelvic floor and the belly recoil back up and in and so that's the rhythm that we need to restore and what ends up happening for a lot of ladies is they they grip their abs and that sort of interrupts the ability for the diaphragm to kick up that system and to work in a, in a rhythmic way with the other components of the system. Um, and I like to use a balloon as an example of that. And I am answering the question, but, <laughs> but, but the... you're such a politician, Julie, come on, answer the question. <laughs> She's evading the question. I'm, I'm teaching them what the system is that I want them to try to get yeah, to their no, pregnancy. No, no, no. Yeah, but so we have to understand that it's not just muscles, it is pressure and mm. pressure sure can be your friend or your foe when it comes to pelvic health and if you overwhelm this too much pressure from above is where we get leaking and so that pressure can come from breath holding it can come from breath holding plus gripping your abs all that force is pushing down Mm -hmm. and and that's where we have things like pelvic organ prolapse and we have uh, which is that the organs can actually slide south and you might feel heaviness yeah, or pressure inside your vagina, and then you may or may not also leak with a prolapse, but then there's leaking. And so I like to think of that system as a balloon. So the the sides of the balloon are the muscles, and then the, the air inside is that pressure system. So it's this pressure muscular system that helps us keep stability. And if you grip the abs in the middle, so if you imagine squeezing a balloon, mm-hmm. you're gonna like look, think about what that would do to how you breathed. You would breathe up mm-hmm. and away from the center, which leads to a lot of like neck issues for some women. Mm. That's a stressful breath. So mm-hmm. we get fight or flight anxiety stuff that happens to a lot of postpartum women. And then we also see a lot of pressure down and we yeah. see how that might add to pressure right. into the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so what I'd want for a pregnant woman is to start to really learn to connect those dots take away any part of their system that's imbalanced, like they may be holding their breath every time they pick up baby number one, or they may mm. hold their breath to open a car door. Well, that's pressure. Mm. And so you don't, you shouldn't have to hold your breath to do that. So instead, I train them how to connect with that system. I use a little trick called blow before you go. <laughs> and what that is, is um, if you exhale, so if again, that the diaphragm comes down, tummy and pelvic floor give a little bit, they open. On exhale, diaphragm lifts, pelvic floor and tummy come back in. I call it the piston. So they kind of go up and down, 
in and out, just in this beautiful rhythm. So if you understand that on exhale is when the pelvic floor and the tummy recoil automatically, when you breathe out before you move, you're blowing off pressure and you're causing that to recoil kind of naturally. So I would teach my pregnant ladies, before you pick up your baby, we're gonna blow and like connect with that system and now we're gonna lift the baby. Mm. When we, so we're gonna do all of that in pregnancy as prehab. We're gonna get ready, get that mm. system going so that when you deliver, the first thing you start doing is blow before you go, find your ski jump, put all those pieces together again, start to reconnect with that system so that the whole system stays balanced in pregnancy and then immediately postpartum. Mm-hmm. So I got there, didn't I? Yep, you sure, you oh, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah across yeah. the finish and line, course, beautiful touchdown. Yes. <laughs> and of course, now I'm sitting here uh, breathing. Oh, of course, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, is yeah, that yeah. too noisy? Am I breathing too noisily now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is like, if I could teach people one thing, just don't hold your breath. Uh-huh. Like if, if that yeah. could be all I do is just don't hold your breath because a lot of postpartum issues like diastasis, prolapse, Um, leaking, pressure is a huge component of those. So just by exhaling when you do stuff, and I like to do it beforehand to kick up the system. So I mean, before you move, you exhale and you keep that exhale going while you stand up out of the chair. Um, that that blows off the pressure, protects your incisions. Mm. You know, it just, it's a its a beautiful little, I have two beautiful tricks. <laughs> They're very simple, blow before you go and ski jump. That's it, That's those are my, that works for everything. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> and we're done, that's it. You now have everything I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, before you go, uh, yes, a couple more questions. Of so course. let's talk specifics about getting help. Um, Anne wants yes. to know if a traditional physical therapist can handle pelvic floor issues or if a specialist is recommended. Um, we also heard from Callie, who told us she lives three hours. And I, know. I understand how that happens because I think I'm a good three hours um, from a woman's uh, PT specialist or pelvic floor specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I assume a fair number of women in rural areas might face that predicament. Um, Caroline also lamented that her pelvic floor is somewhere in the basement. Um, So where does someone go to find a pelvic floor PT? So um, so I'm gonna address a lot. Again, I'll I'll, I'll work through that whole question Mm -hmm. because it's it's a tough one because um, you know, we recommend, it would be great if everyone postpartum could go see a pelvic health therapist, but the reality is, is there aren't that many. Mm. And we actually, the statistically, we know we're going to have approximately 4 million births this year. Mm-hmm. And the section of women's health of the American Physical Therapy Association has 3,500 members. Oh. So the numbers <laughs> yeah, simply that... do not add up. Mm-hmm. No. And so the question related to the traditional PT um, is, I am... One of the things that I do is I do a lot of educational programs for pros, um, and uh, my goal is for every pro to understand these issues as they, like the way that I explained it to you guys, like at, like if you are seeing a female athletic woman in your orthopedic sports medicine practice and you don't understand how incontinence may be affecting their presentation, you're missing a huge component of their health history. Mm -hmm. And so one of my missions is to equip traditional therapists with the capacity to understand these issues, um, integrate 
knowledge, like putting the pelvic floor in with these, like blow before you go. And, you know, there's a little bit more to it professionally that mm-hmm. PT should know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there, and there's, there's a lot of detail and research behind that. But, but if we can integrate this into their programming for a low back, for a hip, for a neck, then we're going to actually set these women up for never having a women's health issue in the first place or addressing it alongside all of their other issues because a woman is a whole body and person. She's not everything but her pelvic floor. <laughs> like we can't, as a we can't as physical therapists or anyone in the medical industry, you know, in the health industry separate those things, but that's kind of what we've done for a long time. So, you're, I'm on my soapbox now, but this is actually my mission is that that sports medicine and musculoskeletal therapists will be able to triage this and discern who really does need to, to seek more help. Um, and they may need to have, you know, we, I'm really hoping telehealth catches up with us and that we can have a musculoskeletal therapist in rural Kansas, mm-hmm. um, you know, consult with me or consult with other, like a pelvic health PT for someone who is more complicated. Like there mm-hmm. are things that I cannot treat with what I do. And I refer out all the time, but I live in Los Angeles. There's there's tons of pelvic health therapists here. Mm-hmm. So um, tons, I put that in quotes, but still we do have a lot running <laughs> in major city. So, but it's growing, like it's becoming a growing specialty. Um, I really, I have been uh, like banging down this door for a long time to try to expand not only our definition of what pelvic health is and what kinds of issues are uh, in the midst, but to expand the number of practitioners that can take it on and to take on, um, you know, some of these issues. And then if they're not responding to combining it and integrating it, then you need to refer them on. And so for those of you who don't have um, someone local to you, um, there are online, There, I have an online program to help you connect these dots. Um, and I know we're gonna talk about that in a little bit, but you know that's one place that they can go. Um, you can take it to a traditional therapist and say, can you help me work through this? Like, you know, the, the a PT, um, can reach out to me. They can reach out to pelvic health therapists on the APT site. So, oh, sorry, the APTA website. So, if you go to APTA, Google APTA section of women's health, then they have a PT locator um, uh, thing on their site. I can pass that. Uh, actually, I'll pass that URL to you. Maybe okay, you can yeah, add can it to the add notes. Add it in the section notes. Yeah. 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 So, if they live, if you live in Kansas, see who's near you. One or have your traditional therapist contact them mm. and say, hey, can you talk me through this? Like she can't come to you. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, there are some states that do allow um, telehealth. Mm. Um, unfortunately, California does not allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it, just keep banging down doors is what I can suggest right now, but go to your traditional therapist and, and say, you know, I heard this crazy lady on a podcast and (laughs) you're supposed to know how to help me. (laughs) And can we work through this, this together? Like, can we, you know, sort of put these pieces together because then that's going to help the next lady and the next lady and the next lady that, that we, and there's an army of people that are out there trying to make this happen. Like we, the, the numbers are growing, um, to try to combine fitness with pelvic health we're working hard so we're, okay. we're trying but okay. it's a little tricky if you live in a remote area so yeah so Anne also asked what I think some women are a bit hesitant about um and she asks is, is manual therapy usually needed for pelvic floor issues like with other complaints and she says hashtag awkward um <laughs> then um how do you as a practitioner measure progress with prescribed exercises um so I, I actually uh, 
it's probably a good time to confess. I'm not a traditional pelvic health therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I don't do internal work, mm -hmm. which is that manual therapy that she's asking about. Mm -hmm. um, and that is what, when you go to that PT locator, you know, you would find a tr more tr someone who has that skill. Mm -hmm. And so that, so all of the things that I do, I actually do externally. Mm -hmm. So I actually can palpate qualitatively what's happening with the pelvic floor mm -hmm. um, and aqu hashtag awkward I call it east of the anus so I just kind of have my <laughs> best ever <laughs> so I'm gonna make bumper stickers one day but but it's really not if a, not if a porn director beats you too I know <laughs> I am in Los Angeles that's right oh my gosh that would be an amazing porn right and that's oh Julie gosh. found a from new the career <laughs> naming porns. Um, but, but so I just palpate there and, and I can't tell, I can't give you a value to that, but I can qualitatively figure out if you're doing one side better than the other. Um, but I also do functional testing and with a runner in particular, single leg squat tells me a ton of information oh. about oh. how you land. So if you do a single leg squat and your knee dives in, Mm -hmm. That tells me that you don't have good proximal hip control and proximal hip control and what's happening with your pelvic floor as it's related to that whole system is huge. And so I, so there are tests that I do that don't have anything to do with necessarily how strong or weak you are. And so much of what I'm sharing with you is actually about strategies, which mm -hmm. is really how your brain uses your body. It's about coordination. It's about, you know, when, when I put you in an alignment that kicks up more glutes, that's going to strengthen your glutes without me having to say, now squeeze your glute at the, t right. at the end of your kick. Like that's, a, that's not functional. That's not really how it works. So, so much of what my strategies are is to change how you're doing it to naturally kick up that act activation. And then your challenge, your fitness will actually then carry over into strength. Mm -hmm. And what I'll see then is when I retest is that your, your activation pattern will be stable and normal or balanced, maybe left to right, meaning of your pelvic floor. But then I would also see your single leg squat cleanup. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Like I would see you come and you wouldn't have that medial or sorry, that to the, you know, that dive to the inside yeah. of your knee in a single leg squat. So that means when you're running, I know you're going to impact and you're not going to lose total control to the inside. And so those women that had medial inside knee pain, mm -hmm. if you show me a single leg squat and you leak and you dive to the middle when you squat, I, you better believe you're doing that when you run mm -hmm. and with impact. And that's going to strain the inside of your knee with every land. So back it up, rebuild that strategy in the center in that system, learn to control that, um, and then add that into the run with some form changes and then it cleans up because the form change changes the demand, changes how you're using the leg, increasing glutes, increased pelvic floor, and then the run becomes your training. Um, and so, so that's kind of how I evaluate. It's not like, is it strong or weak? It's can you control it better? Are you functioning better? Are you fitnessing better? That's how I, that's how I measure it. Mm -hmm. Right. Hmm. So if women don't seem to have an acute issue, uh, they might be like Crystal and ask, how long and how often should I do exercises that specifically target pelvic floor muscles? Um, and I mean, am I mistaken in believing that some exercises in like a bar class can strengthen pelvic floor muscles? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, here, the, so let me just back up and say that, um, 
So when I first meet somebody and I'm trying to help them reconnect all those dots, put that system together, balance all of those forces and pressures, um, that's where we begin to put those pieces together. And then every activity that you do, you put it under bar, you put it under yoga, you put it under, you know, running, you put it under whatever you cross train with, swimming, you know, if any of you do tries, um, that, that's going to strengthen the pelvic floor because it's part of the system now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah, so that's exactly right. So, or if you aren't using it well, if you don't know how to integrate it, then those, those things can overwhelm it. And then you might get a leak or you might get aches and pains. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. And, and so what I, my goal is by training more of a brain strategy and automaticity in the system. So that's what blow before you go is intended to do. It's supposed to recoil automatically, try to, try to build it in as a brain thing versus just a strengthening thing. Mm-hmm. Then eventually you're not going to have to think about it so much. Like the mm-hmm. brain's going to be like, Oh, I felt better like you, Sarah, when you ran up the hill, mm-hmm. like I felt you you're like, ugh, your brain liked it. You probably breathed better. You probably had more support from your glutes. Like you didn't have to do anything to make that happen, but your brain liked it. Mm -hmm. So if you can recreate that in all of your exercise, the brain's going to be like, oh, cool. I like this. I'm going to embed this as our new baseline. Mm -hmm. So then you don't have to keep, you know, contract, contract, contract. It's a part of your movements. It's a part of your, when you lift your baby, it's a part of opening the, you know, the car door. It's a, becomes a part of the system. It doesn't have to be constantly strengthened all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's those those things that when you have to tell yourself, uh, you know, I I could never really change my form drastically for running because I'm just like, I can't go out there and think for mile after mile what I'm supposed to do. Like I just, my head just can't hold on to it. Right. So if we can trick it by saying, Sarah, will you look for change the whole run? Right. You, but, but I would get what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that's the goal. So the goal really isn't that a, any, and listen, with a run, you know, it's like long runs by yourself, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, but when you're, t- so you've got time to think about it. When we're talking about an athlete on the court, mm-hmm. they have no, there's no, this all has to be automatic, like right. they aren't going to be prepared, you know, they're going to be like, okay, now I have to breathe just like this mm-hmm. as like, that's not the goal with any athlete. The, in, in athleticism, I have to get people back to something that's happening automatically for them. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really trying to change the conversation around, are you strong or weak? Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk like that with, about this. I want to talk about, are you coordinated? Is it functioning well? Is it balanced? Is the system working well together? Like that's where we're going to get that automatic Mm-hmm. flow into your function and your fitness and then the carryover is you don't have to keep thinking about it all the time so mm-hmm. I'm in with mm-hmm. but it's hard like you have to put some conscious thought in at the beginning for sure right. but then it hopefully becomes automatic so right right so so first of all Julia I feel like we could talk to you for hours on end and it would be highly enjoyable but but right. we got we got to wrap things up but but I want you to talk about your extending a generous offer to our listeners so why don't you explain it and then we'll link to it in the episode notes Yeah. So that system, and I I mentioned it already, I do have this online course for women. And the idea is in the actual course is how to pull the pieces of that system together. So there's, it's really about that brain work first Mm -hmm. and then putting it underneath. There's some simple exercises on the, um, the course 
But the idea is that you would layer that underneath any activity that you're doing. And when it comes, and so it's an opportunity to learn how to pull those pieces together um, and not just think about just your pelvic floor, but put it all together. Mm -hmm. um, and so offering that to your listeners um, at a discount to um, help them on their journey. And this is particularly those of you that do not have access to a therapist in your area, um, I, I really would love for it to be all you needed. But for some people, they will need some guidance to help understand the cueing and feel it and see it in their bodies. But the idea is we actually, I did it for a research study. It is, um, we did it to see if women could do it independently. And we actually had a really nice response, okay. um, not only in improvements in three weeks using the activities, oh, wow. but yeah, actually we did about 85% of the women made nice improvement in the, in, uh, three weeks. Mm -hmm. So, um, some were a little better, but some were um, very much, no, much better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, mm -hmm. right. um, in three weeks and, um, and the significant majority totally appreciated being able to do it independently and not have to go see somebody. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's very focused on incontinence, but it's the same system that I activate and teach people for diastasis. Same thing I teach for prolapse. So it's, if I was seeing you clinically, I would put you through these basic steps to help you reconnect and rebalance that system. So that's what that program is. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very yeah. much. And like I said, I'll link to that in the episode notes. Well, Perfect. it was awesome talking with you, Julie, and I suspect that we'll have you back on in oh, the I would future love to talk it. about more things. Awesome. I would love it. Okay. Thank you right. so much. Thank you. Take yep. care. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Well, I thought Julie was just fantastic. And I, when you said, oh, I'm sitting here thinking about how I'm breathing, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to go back and like look at every picture of me running. What, am I leaning right? a little bit? Or am I leaning? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, when I, I ran once with Christine Hinton, Coach Christine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she was running beside me, and I just hear her. She's like, bend at your ankles. And I was like, what mm -hmm. does that mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and then she explained it and I was like, oh, this is so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell you that, um, the reason why I ran up that hill to where, um, I've now done on both my 20 milers is there's a really, really long gradual climb at Twin Cities Marathon up Summit Avenue. And I just remember feeling so good on that, even though it comes at like mile, right. I don't know, 19 or something. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to prep for it. And now there's a reason for it. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was awesome. So, well, let's hear what Dimity and her pals in the Train Like a Mother Club are up to. Hello, hello, it's Dimity here with your Train Like a Mother Club corner at the end of August. Um, wanted to start this little ditty by sending out our love and our thoughts and our prayers to people who are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane and Tropical Storm Harvey. I got to say, um, I'm sure if you are in a dry part of the country like I am, Denver, it's been heartbreaking to watch the pictures of what is happening down in Texas and Louisiana. And um, I know that, uh, you know, giving money is awesome. I know that sending love and sending prayers and sending good vibes is all helpful, but sometimes uh, it's just really tough to be um, so removed from a situation where you watch people suffering. So as you know, you start to rebuild your lives and help your neighbors and figure out what your new normal is gonna be um, after, after uh, Harvey leaves the building. Um, you know, please let us know and let your fellow mother runners know if there's anything you need for help because um, we are here with you. So, and we want you to have uh, many happy miles in all respects. Um, with that in mind, this is a lovely um, 
post from the Train Like a Mother Club. It's from the 13.1 plan, um, the run-walk plan, which is a traditional plan that combines running and walking and gets you ready for a half marathon. And it's from um, Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, who writes, um, I am doing the run-walk plan and have just had the best run in two years. I am so thankful for this plan. Because of severe runner's knee and hip valgus, up until June, I had knee pain for two years. I began the training plan pain-free and remained so. Today, I finally hit the spot where six miles flew by, which is funny because I'm going slower than I ever have. But I finished feeling so good and so strong, I never thought this day would come. I am so thankful for this tribe. And if you know Jennifer, she's been to one of our retreats and she's been a bammer for a while. She's got a smile that is as wide as the state of Wyoming. And um, she's got this lovely selfie up there. And uh, I just want to say congratulations, Jennifer. And way to hang in there. Two years is a really long time, as we all know. And to finish a run and get through, you know, to continue your training weeks feeling strong and solid and pain-free is no small feat. So congratulations to you, and I hope everybody has a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, so one of the hats that I wear, Alex isn't the only one wearing a hat, um, (laughs) one of the hats I wear around AMR is the shop gal one. And in that role, I am giddy about our new fall merchandise that just hit our store this week. We've got three new lifestyle tees, including a black one that says running for sanity, not vanity. A mother runner in Utah came up with that phrase for us. Um, A gorgeous one that reads, being a mom is like running a marathon every single day. We kind of crowdsourced that one, Adrian, that um, we had every single freaking day and we took out freaking to to make it um, G-rated. Yep. And and then a a kick-ass redesign of our top seller, which reads, it's all good. I ran today. It's military green and it looks so stupendous with a pair of shorty boots and crop jeans. Um, that okay. is going to be my standard issue outfit this fall. It's, I'm going to be sporting <laughs> it at the retreat for sure. It's my Sunday brunch outfit. Um, uh-huh. So, um, And then we also debuted a long sleeve tech tee with one of our favorite phrases on it, which is I run things. And the tee is loaded with style points. It has thumb holes. Thumb holes. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I know. Yep. Um, To reflective hits on the front and the back. Uh, The arms are nice and long. It has a really flattering neckline. And all the mother runners who modeled for the store photo shoot fell in love with it. And did I mention it's a gorgeous shade of blue? Um, To see these new items, plus all the other goodness in our online store... Come on over to my basement. No, um, go, to, <laughs> go to the uh, Mother Runner. Go to MotherRunnerStore.com. That's MotherRunnerStore.com. I'm Shop Gal Sarah, and I'm standing by to fill your order. Um, our podcast is a member of the ACAST Network, and our show today was produced in Portland, Oregon, by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy, leak-free, ski-slopey miles. Yeah.